you know, part of what we're doing here is where we're going to do the best we can for the sport, but we're going to need that input from the community, whether it be racers, race directors, or both to guide our decision-making year by year. Welcome to the Dark Zone, an adventure racing podcast. This is your host, Brian Gatens. In adventure racing lingo, a dark zone is a time when due to darkness or safety, teams are paused on the course before continuing with the race. During that time, stories are exchanged, friendships are kindled, spirits are restored, and teams have a chance to prepare for the next challenge. We hope that you make good use of this dark zone. We're glad that you're here. Today's guest is United States Adventure Racing Association Executive Director Michael Garrison. He joins the Dark Zone to walk our listeners through the revised entry process for USARA Nationals, the role of the team ranking system, and he shares some thoughts on the future adventure racing. We appreciate Garrison's time. Today's episode sponsor is again Tansy Navigation. You can learn all about them at www.tansynavigation.org. That's T-A-N-Z navigation.org. Listeners of the Dark Zone can enter to earn a free copy of Mark Latanzi's book, Swiggly Lines, by emailing me, brian at ardarkzone.com. Thank you to Tansy for being a perpetual sponsor. And thank you listeners for joining the Dark Zone. Today's world doesn't lack for ways to grab your time and attention. We're grateful to have you as a listener. Today we are joined by Michael Garrison, the Executive Director of the United States Adventure Racing Association. It is now January 2022 and a lot of our racers are uh, recovering from the holidays or taking their winter breaks, not doing too much. So while Nationals feels far away, it's gonna be this coming September out west in California, It'll be right around the corner. Garrison um, has joined us today to talk a bit about the revision process that's being put into place for 2022 Nationals. I believe it starts this February. Not quite sure when, but Garrison will walk us through the process. Tell us about Nationals. Tell us about where we're going this year as a uh, as a racing nation and community. My The board and uh, I did review the 2021 season as we had intended to do all along. Took a long, hard look at what worked and what didn't work. And throughout that process arrived at the conclusion that it made a lot of sense to make a pretty significant change to how we do entry for the national championship race. So the big change that we're making is that for the 2022 national championship race, we're going to be using a slightly modified open entry registration system, open entry with a few limitations that I'll go over. Uh, On February 1st of 2022, we're going to invite the top 20 mixed gender teams from the 2021 race and the top five single gender teams from the 2021 race. So that means if you competed in 2021 national and you finished top 20 mixed or top five single gender, you're going to get an invite to register. That means that uh, you have to submit a deposit of $300 for your team during that registration window. And at least one member of your team from the 2021 race needs to be registered to race in 2022. So that registration window for those teams that competed last year will be open from February 1st until March 1st. And then on March 1st, we're going to open entries uh, to nationals to all mixed gender teams. Similar process. You have to submit a $300 deposit to secure your spot. if uh, you, we're going to ask that you register with three three team members, um, we understand it's going to be what at that point it's going to be March first. Things can happen, so if you have to shuffle your roster uh, for your nationals team, that's okay. But we are going to ask that at least one of those initial three people that signed up make it to the um, the actual race in in September. Uh, just we we don't want this to be a kind of reserving your spot if you don't know you're going to use it type 
type situation. That's that's not the point. And then finally, on April 1st, we're going to open entries to nationals to all single single gender teams. Same thing, deposit of $300 uh, and then your roster that secures, secures your spot. In addition to that, um, as we had said before, one of our things we want to do this year was the 13 regional championship races. Um, we're still going to have three spots reserved for those 13 regional championship winners. Obviously, the qualification component for the regional championship is a little bit different because now that it's open entry, that part's not as critical. Um, but the important piece and, and the big carrot, if you will, is that there is still a free entry available for the winning mixed gender team at those regional championship races. So that's a $900 value, and uh, that's going to get paid for by USARA towards the entry for that team. So if your team's already signed up, which is a good chance that you will be, and you win a regional championship race, that's fine. We'll refund your, your $300 and, and you're good to go. A couple other things to kind of round out those, those changes going to be a an explicit master's division for the purpose of qualification. So in other words, you don't have to qualify as a master's team. Uh, in the past, master's teams didn't have to qualify. They could just kind of kind of sign up. Master's teams will go through the same registration process as everybody else. Um, but, and this moves on to the last point, uh, which is awards at nationals. We will be acknowledging the top master's team at the national championship race. Um, we are going to be kind of incrementally moving up that master's age. I'm really close to being master's qualified myself. Uh, I think we're going to move it just out of my reach for the next few years. It's currently uh, 45. I think we're going to move it incrementally up towards towards 50 because, hey, bottom line is there's a lot of really good racers in their in their 40s and into their late 40s. And uh, one of the purpose of, of masters is to give uh, some of the more seasoned racers some competition as maybe the uh, the legs start to slow slow down a little bit. Um, so we'll be acknowledging and awarding the top Masters team at Nationals. We'll also be awarding uh, the top Young Guns team. This was something that ARC started a few years ago. I think it's a great idea. Um, we'll pick an age uh, under which qualifies as being a Young Gun, kind of inexperienced, if you will. And we'll acknowledge the best team in that category uh, and award them you know, swag prizes, things like that. Uh, the national championship race and we've got the uh the four awards we've we've done for a number of years now blazing paddles uh fastest orienteering and then uh, you know best mountain biking team it's been king of the mountain historically uh, whether or not there's a mountain kind of depends on where we go so this past year it was the best mountain biking team and it was more about who could ride rocky technical wisconsin single track uh than than straight up climb uh, but with being in Sierras, I think we're going to be able to find a section of course, that's got some good climb. So it'll probably be a good old fashioned climbing mountain biking award, uh, the spirit award, which is always a fantastic one. And then we'll be, um, um, awarding the winner of the point series. And I'll talk a little bit more, more about the point series, uh, at the end here, but functionally that's the change. Uh, that's how things are going to work for 2022. And I imagine there's a lot of your listeners out there that are scratching their head going, wait, what? Like, is he serious? Because this is a pretty, pretty significant change. And we went through a um, significant amount of effort making the changes that we did for this past year in 2021. And, um, you know, our, our goal with USARA is to have um, a strong competitive national championship race. That's, that's one of our main, one of our main goals. 
And, um, you know, we looked at how we did that in 2021 and, um, I'll kind of walk you through a little bit of the thought process into how we ended up to where we are now. The first thing, just ask a, a oh, question yeah, before we go on that. So for the people sitting at home and they're trying to absorb and understand yeah. the information. So previously, if you were an adventure racing team in the United States, you would qualify for the national championships on various criteria, uh, where you finished in races, how many points you earned, things like that. And so the the ability to earn an entry spot at nationals was predicated upon your performance at previous races. And then along the way, after those spots filled up and time had to pass, and you would get closer to the start of the race. Right. It would then open up to general members of the public who want to take part in nationals. So the focus there was, I'm going to use the word preferential. It doesn't really work preferential. It doesn't really fit well. But preferential registration was given to teams that performed at a high level and everybody else followed along. Yep. What, what USARA is doing this year is for planning purposes, because once again, it's, it's January, February, it's March, the race is in September. People need to make decisions about vacation time, work time, travel, putting their teams together. This model, while still giving preferential registration treatment to high performing teams in the past through the previous nationals and through the regional championships, a, a non-placing team now come well, now come January, February, March could make the decision to come and race national in September and then have the entire year to prepare for that race. So it's going to help with attendance because people don't have to make a decision closer to the race. Am I understanding that correctly? Yeah, you, that's a fantastic segue. Um, I couldn't have, have, have scripted that much better myself, but it really comes down to, <laughs> to a question of supply and demand, right? Um, the supply is the number of, of slots that we have available in any particular race, in this case, the national championship race. And demand is the number of teams that are uh, interested in and able to compete in the national championship race. You're spot on. All current systems have had, or all systems we've used have had some, some qualification based on, on merit at the front end and an open registration on the back end. Well, in looking at the numbers for a number of years, we're not, we're confident that we're not at risk of, of our demand outstripping our supply. In other words, the number of teams that are interested in and able to race in the national championship is not going to be more than the spots that we have, if that's true. And side note, USRA's goal is to make that not true and to make that not true as soon as possible. But for the time being, if that's true, and it is, then Another part of US Area's mission is to uh, make it easier for teams to get to races. So if we don't have more teams interested, then we have slots available. Then why not move the open entry process to the front end? We do have a little bit of preference towards teams that competed last year, which does two things. It awards people that have been engaged uh, in the US Area National Championship and also the teams that have already done well in the past. But it still allows open registration for all other teams uh, whether or not they were able to be there last year to enter. And I'm confident that we're going to get all the top teams that want to and are able to compete. They're going to be at the national championship race. You know, they're, they're going to be there. They're going to be competing against each other. And that's the goal. If we're going to crown the top team, we got to get the top teams there. Right. So uh, for now, this is the simplest and easiest way to do that. And by doing it this way, you also touched on a lot of the benefits, which is it allows teams to prepare more ahead of time, to plan their year out, 
and also to talk about it and increase that enthusiasm and excitement of, about their participation in the USA Area National Championship race. So in our review of the qualification process, which in 2021 was based on rankings, the idea being if you participate in a, some combination of frequency and performance, then that should be what allows you to get into nationals. Philosophically, that makes sense. Um, in practice, it's really hard to execute and execute well. You know, we had teams having to determine if they're going to be able to attend late, later in the season than is ideal. So we're still going to have to conquer that problem because as soon as possible, we're going to increase demand in this race to the point where we're going to have more teams that want in than we have slots. But until we do, why not make it easy for everybody? I was recently talking to, um, uh, to Bill Donahue about this, and uh, I'll fully credit him for, for saying this first, but he, he said something that, that rung very true with me, which is this sport of adventure racing is hard enough without getting you know, lost on the way to the starting line. So if, if USAA's goal is to increase enthusiasm and engagement in the sport and to hold this competitive national championship, while we can make it this simple, let's make it this simple. And then we get every year, we're going to increase that engagement level. We're going to increase awareness in the sport. We're going to educate those that find out about the sport on what it takes to get to races and to compete in races. And then, you know, this system, maybe 2023, this system is going to be obsolete. And then we're going to have to find a way to determine which teams qualify because there's going to be limited supply and, and more demand uh, out there than we have slots that we can, that we can fill. So along those lines, and it's always good to talk about who won't be happy with the decision. So who won't this decision, please? Uh, I didn't like it at first. I'll be completely honest with you. Um, it goes against that gut reaction of it's a national championship race. You should have to qualify to get into a national championship race. Well, that's true. And that will still be true. Once we have more teams you know, interested in racing, then we have slots available. And, and I love, I love this sport. Um, I think it's a, it's a wonderfully unique sport and has a lot to offer that no other sports do, but um, the, the numbers and the engagement level aren't yet there. And that USARA, like I said, that that's what we're going to do. We're going to get them there, uh, but we're not there. We're not there quite yet. So I think um, my mindset when I initially didn't like it very much, I would put that in kind of the purest mindset, if you will. Um, not purest, but purist, uh, in that like you must qualify to go to a national championship. And we did some poking around and there are other sports with modest numbers uh, that take a similar approach. Um, if you don't need to use a system of some kind to pare down the field to, uh, preferentially based on merit, uh, you know, you don't do it. You know, it's extra work that isn't necessary yet. Again, I can't stress this enough. It will be. <laughs> uh, it's just not necessary for us for us yet. So I think that's probably the group I would look at that would say um, um, won't like it as much. Um, we did spend a fair amount of time um, looking at the numbers and looking at what this might mean. You know, we're asking teams to put that deposit down up front. Part of that is that we don't want teams on a whim, you know, signing up. Uh, and then not using that spot. We got to make sure we do want to make it easy for teams to register, but we want to make it easy for teams that register that are fully engaged in planning on attending the national championship race. 
And that's the balance, right? The balance is, and the logic makes complete sense, right? You have you have a race that currently does not sell out. One of the reasons why it doesn't sell out wow. is because people under the old system were required to wait and wait and wait and wait, then to make a decision to go and participate. And you were shutting down your pool of potential race teams that want to be there. So by having this quasi open registration, right? You have the teams from last year's nationals get preferential. Then you bring into the, the, the mixed genders and all of that. And then you open it to the whole world. You, you run you run the the risk, the wonderful risk of having the race eventually top out and have it be filled with too many teams, which would then require for the 2023 season to go back to some sort of a graded seeding capacity. Only you get the register because you did you did X right. and whatever that X is, right? right? But right now, USARA isn't there. And so this is, when I think about this decision, I think about the movie Hoosiers. And Hoosiers, you know, Hoosiers was the was the you know Hickory High, you know, the small team from Indiana that went to the, I, went to the uh, state championship. I've lived in Indiana for forty one years. I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And part of that model, and part of the model that you're seeing here is is that this this becomes a, a national championship that is open to all comers, and it could be a team that races multiple times as a team. They qualify to be there, and then. Citizen racers, if I want to use that term, could qualify to be there too through the open registration. But when all said and done, they get the same maps at the same time mm-hmm. on the same day, and good luck. Yep. And I want to address one thing you brought up. Uh, we did talk about like, oh man, what happens if if um, we get a mid-season surge in interest in participating in national nationals? Um, it's kind of an overused business term, but you know, good problem to have. In a way, that is that is a good problem to have. Um, but we have some things that we have planned in, in the event that that happens. For example, we've got those 13 spots for the regional champ races. Annually, that'll be 12. But this year, our very first one was super early in the season. So we added an extra. So this year's is 2022 season is, is 13. Um, a lot of those teams that end up winning a regional champ will have already registered. So that's a free slot, if you will, that's available to 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 release down the road. Like I mentioned, we've got those discretionary slots as well. So um, if we get to like August and we're just flat out of spots um, and teams are still interested, I feel bad for those teams, but it's good for the sport because that means now we've we've got that many teams that don't just want to race nationals, but they're able to travel to California, which is going to be hard for a lot of the East Coast teams, just like it's hard for West Coast teams to get to the East Coast. Um, so yeah, we have thought about that and we've got some things uh, planned for the 2023 season so we can gauge what that interest level is and, and we'll transition to some system of, of, of preferential selection based on merit um, whenever that's necessary. So let's talk a bit about the national logistics. The race right. is a 30 hour race. Yep. It's going to be held this September in the Sierra Nevadas in California. Yes, Eastern Sierra. We'll be uh, releasing some more details on location in the in the coming weeks and months. Um, so, teams as they get registered, they can start planning logistics and things like that. Um, we're working with all at events with Ishai Horowitz, and he's got a fantastic base course outlined. Um, another unique factor for this year, without saying too much, is we actually have a backup course planned that would have the same. Um, major arrival point in California, uh, most likely LAX. Um, in the event that our current selection, our current course um, is on fire, um, it's something that's it's a very real risk and something. Spent a lot of time talking to Ishai about. Um, we really want to get out there. It's a, it's a fantastic area to race, but it's been rough um, with wildfires for a number of years now. So. Um, 
hopefully that's not an issue this year because it's it's a really fantastic very unique course that i think is going to going to challenge teams is there any concern on us area's part that once a team is able to secure their spot so early in the season that they may not do more competitive races because in the past you had to race more to get a spot right now that they got a spot they could they could decline to race or or adventure races are going to race no matter what and having a spot early in the season doesn't get in the way of motivation yeah you know that's a tough one because everybody's in such a different place to and i think you've got different groups that are going to be approaching this differently you've definitely got a, a group that's adventure racers are going to race and if anything, this just helps them set their calendar for the year, prioritize races, and they know they're going to nationals. And so they're going to look at races that can help them prepare for that. Um, for some teams, it may actually be helpful in the sense that they're going to race less on purpose because they have limited resources. And they can only do two races a year. They can only do three races a year because time off from work or family or money, whatever, or all of them together, realistically, um, this allows them to know like, Hey, oh my gosh, one of the races me and my team are going to do, um, we're going to do nationals. So let's do this race in say April, we'll do this one in July. And then we're going to California in September locked and loaded. And then you go out there and race. Um, I would love for people to be able to race every month year round or more, but it is, it's a, especially in these one day and longer races, it's a big commitment. You're giving up a whole weekend plus, you know, more than a whole weekend, um, not insignificant entry fees. Although I will say dollar for dollar per time of, of joy, <laughs> uh, adventure race is one of the best values out there. Um, and time away from family and, and kids and, and jobs and all that kind of stuff. So um, I think we need to respect the core of our, our, our market, if you will, the core of our community. Um, we're all weekend warriors, man. Um, we don't have the freedom and flexibility to race all the time as much as we'd all like to. And I think that really addresses the question around does early registration become a demotivator, right? And that being said, rarely do we find out uh, adventure racers that are not motivated to race as much as they can. So right, that, I'm glad right. that, that that addresses it. I mean, to your point, we're all citizen racers, right? And we'd love to, to race more. And if somebody's going to race less because of nationals being open registration, then we're going to race less anyway. I don't think that's going to make or break it. Yeah. And, and getting back to your question a little bit ago about like, who's not going to like this, you know, I'm sure there's, there's going to be a group that, like myself are going to have an initial reaction and be like, wait, what? That makes no sense. And then you think it through, maybe chat with some folks and then it starts to make more sense. And then I transitioned all the way from initially not liking it to being um, a staunch advocate, if you will, uh, for this approach. There will be people that have uh, reservations even after some time to process. That's totally fine. I would encourage them to reach out to us, reach out to me, and and let's let's talk through those. You know, part of what we're doing here is where we're going to do the best we can for the sport, but we're going to need that input from the community, whether it be racers, race directors, or both, to guide our decision making year by year. Um, and we don't want to make like huge sweeping decisions every single year. Um, but we're also not going to get stuck into the mindset of like, well, we made this call, we're going to stick to it. We're going to always find that balance of making good changes that make sense for the sport long-term. Uh, and also sometimes you gotta, you gotta stick with the change for a while to see if it's going to work or not. So it's uh, it's going to be a balance, but I just encourage people to think it through, talk to us, talk to others, talk to your teammates. And, you know, if you, if you, go through the the explanation of how we're doing this on the website which it'll be up uh, up there shortly um and you still have concerns or questions reach out that's what we're here for
the challenges with ranking in points are, are sort of the issue that gets into the way of the national registration process. Yeah. Where, where are you in terms of modifying that system, thinking about it? Where's USARA with that? Yeah. So um, to refresh the memory of those that have been plugged in for the last five years and also to educate those that maybe have not, um, USARA rankings were historically done on kind of a, a known point value based on length of race ahead of time. Um, ARC, Adventure Race Cooperative, um, they had a system that was based on a, on a floating scale, if you will, where if you had a more competitive field as defined by more teams, you could earn more points. And the if you raced a longer race as defined by the actual finish times, then you would earn more points. So again, purely from a philosophical and, and speaking for myself, nerd standpoint, because I am one, uh, you love it. It's like, oh, this is great. You know, despite the fact that you may have some um, those of us that are old enough, you know, the flashbacks like strength of schedule rankings and stuff like that. It's like, ah, that doesn't feel right, but I won't worry about that. This, I like this. It makes sense. Um, despite that part of it making sense, the clarity and simplicity for the racers doesn't make sense because you don't know what the points are going to be before you show up to the race. Um, you know, we it's have almost this, as, it's almost as retroactive yeah, challenge score. Right. Which, which best, is hard because why would you pick a race? Okay, I got it. Yeah, okay, best case, we could provide a race point calculator to where you can guess the finish time. It's 17 hours, 18 hours. And, and again, just side note there, one of the unique things about our sport is that you could hold a race and say it's Brian Gaten's 24-hour challenge and the winning team clears the course in 23 hours and 57 minutes, nobody else does. And I could have the garrison challenge and it's 24 hour race and the winning team finishes in, in 18 hours. Right. And so the idea of the old, that the system that we implemented in 2021 was again, that it's the, the length of the race is defined by the actual finishing times. So again, in principle, in philosophy makes sense. Great. Um, Simplicity, eh, I wouldn't say that it, it scores super well on, on simplicity and and um, transparency for, for the racers. So um, full credit where credit is due, Mark Latanzi, one of the board members, uh, put a lot of time into crunching some numbers. We talked about simplifying and improving how we're going to assign points and came up with a couple different ways of doing it. And he ran all of 2021's results through these new systems to compare, like how would have 2021 shaken out with model A, model B, model C um, versus what we actually used in 2021. And at the end of the day, you know, there wasn't much change with the system that we ended up deciding on. And the system that we're moving to is one where um, it still uses, uh, Mark's probably going to, scold me for getting this wrong. I think it's a logarithmic curve, but basically uh, the points drop off faster early in the ranking. So between first, second, third, fourth, fifth, you get a steeper drop off. And then that drop off slowly levels out uh, and gets less and less per ranking position down that you go. And um, we've got it broken into, I think, five categories. Uh, and the, the, um, the stated or advertised time for the race is what we're using. If you list your race, the 24 hour race, and that's what it's going to go into the system as. And we looked back at all the races, not just USA, USARA races, but all the races in 2021. And I think some in 2020. 
and looked at what they listed themselves as and, and what the winning times were. And there weren't a ton of huge outliers. You know, I, I think most race directors, they don't want an 11 hour finish in a 24 hour race. And in most cases, when that happens, it's a little bit of a unique situation, last minute course change, you know, things like that. Um, so yeah, it's, it's as much sense as the system makes for we used in 2021, you know, as logical as it is, um, there's a cost benefit we got to do there. And it's got to be, you're not going to get engagement from racers and from teams if, if the system's too complicated. And like you said, you don't know when you show up or when you sign up um, what that race is going to be worth. Um, and you may not even know, you know, when you get there, you may have an idea based on the number of teams that are there, but until the first few teams cross the finish line, you still don't definitely know uh, how many points it's worth. So yeah, we're, we're, we're shifting back to a system where you're going to know how many uh, points each race is worth. We're still going to have um, a five race limit. So teams that race longer races for all five of the races, that is going to advantage them. And um, then we had bonus points for the national championship race in 2021. And then it counted as your new fifth race if you had already done five races. So you had to drop a race. And so that was some relatively high pressure math at the end of nationals this past year where we had to go through and, and make sure we dropped the right race and add in the results for nationals and calculate it all out. Um, another change that we're making is if you have done five races and you race nationals, then you get that to count as your sixth race. And the only way you get six races to count towards your, your point total is if you do nationals. Um, if you haven't five races yet, then obviously if you've done four, then nationals is your fifth. So you were talking about how five races counted, but then the nationals would be your sixth race. Counted the national championship race as your new fifth race with some bonus points. I think it's 25 or 50, 50 points. Um, but if you had five races going into the national championship, then you had to drop a race and the national championship became your new fifth race. So we're doing two things there. We're getting rid of the bonus points, but we're allowing nationals to count as a sixth race. And the only way you get six races is if you race nationals. When you look at the point series, um, and say like, okay, what's the difference between the point series and the national championship race? Well, the point series is kind of like your, uh, um, your, your ranking or your, your, your seating, you know, at the end of the regular season, if you will. Um, and and it, it incorporates two factors, how much you race and how well you race. And a team can um, optimize those two things without winning the national championship. Um, and so we want to reward the teams that do a lot of racing uh, and also reward their participation in the national championship race. So that's where the idea for the sixth sixth race as the bonus uh, comes into play. Um, and again, we did some number crunching on that and it's, you, know, you got to be pretty aggressive with your race schedule and you probably got to include some shorter races to be able to hit five races uh, and do the, uh, the national championship race. Um, one other thing I really, I, I neglected to mention before that's important to mention now, uh, one of the complicating factors of using the rankings as a qualification mechanic is timing. And we attempted to solve that by making a season that would run like July to July, I think is where we were heading towards. On paper, it makes sense. And if you spend as many hours as we have looking at it, you can get it to make sense. 
But it's also weird because you got races in July and August that don't count towards your rankings for that season. When you go to nationals, it counts into the next. And again, coming back to my my earlier point, one of my earlier points from a simplicity perspective, a clarity and transparency perspective, that doesn't score super well in that that area. So now we're back to the season runs for the rankings from nationals, nationals. And nationals is the last race in the season rankings. And we're going to award that team that finishes or that finishes um, top in the rankings really well. It may include up to a free entry to nationals the following year, looking at a couple different things there, but yeah, that's uh, all these changes. Um, we feel like strike a better balance between two of our main missions, which is to grow interest and participation in the sport and to host a national championship race. And we feel to do the first one, we got to simplify how people participate in the second one. So it sounds like what USARA was striving for was that you want to create opportunities for recognition for hard work, effort, and success. In in one lane, you have a single event, a 30-hour national championship race that offers the opportunity for a team to show up and to succeed on that level. And they are the national champions through that race. But then there's a parallel track that's running in which the rankings are used to reward effort over time. Consistent races, high performance, you know, challenging races, high performance, multiple races, and then there's a point system. And so there's there's almost two shadow opportunities that exist alongside each other yep. to succeed. A team could go to nationals and have very low point rankings by virtue of their schedule and the races they choose to do and do very well. A team could not go to nationals, do very well by virtue of the races that they choose, and they could be recognized for that. Am I understanding that correctly? And here's why I'm asking that question, is that adventure racers by their nature enjoy the competition of adventure mm -hmm. racing. And knowing that your hard work and your effort and your success will be recognized sounds like that's a core principle of USARA, right? Yep. You're not just a merely collection of racers. You want to call out and recognize those who are very good at this sport. Am I right for our listeners when I say that there are those two tracks are running parallel to each other? Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's pretty much how it's been done historically. Um, you know, they, they got a little bit more um, conflated maybe last last year. Um, but that that being said, you know, um, I talked to Strong Machine and who, who won the point series last year <laughs> and they said uh, uh somewhat it's kind of funny how they said it they're like they're not going to try and do that again because it's a, it's a different kind of effort you know you got to get teams out there in five races including the national championship you have to get um strong teams out there because you can't just show up you got to do well you don't have to win every race but you got to do well um and you got to find um some some long races to do you know they did uh, expedition oregon and and i think c to c um it's a lot of work man it, and it's a different kind of effort and i talked to one of the, the podium teams at nationals as well early on before we were even close to nationals and they were choosing their schedule in that last six weeks leading up to the national championship based on the fact that their priority was gunning for a win at nationals so they didn't want to do stuff in that month window that would harm that chance of putting their best performance out at the national championship race. So yeah, you kind of got two different, two different tracks there, if you will. I think it's a good way of, good way of saying it. And um, not saying team can't do both, uh, you know, teams have in the past, 
But um, I think having both of those out there, I think is valuable for the sport. And I think having the rankings out there so you can see at the end of the year um, how you did, because, you know, when you first get into the sport, you know, cracking the top 50 is a, is a, is a damned honorable, you know, achievement and, and people get teams get engaged in that. Uh, and then depending on how you want to participate in the sport, um, some people get more competitive and they want to keep climbing the ladder. You know, other people are out there for the adventure more than the race. And that's both are totally, totally fine. We've covered the um, revised um, registration process for nationals. We've covered the, the points rankings and how that's going to play a role. As USARA catches their breath and kind of has a very successful national championship back in the fall and we go through the winter. As you turn your attention and you focus on going forward, going into the year, clearly having these two issues addressed is, is a big check mark for USARA World Headquarters, right? That these yeah. things are, are solved and done. What else do you want to talk with the listeners a bit about going forward for this race season, either about USARA in general, the state of the sport itself? What do you want to leave the listeners with? Yeah, I think um, one thing I can put out there is is kind of restating what I said before, which is why does USA exist? What are we here to do? And one way of looking at that is, you know, we want to increase awareness in our sport. We want to educate the masses, including our community and those that are just finding out about us, uh, about the sport. And then we want to support and simplify that process of getting to races and putting on races. Um, it's hard to look at any one component of our community and say, that's the most important part. You know, you could say, well, if you don't have race directors, you don't have races, that's the most important part. Okay. But there's some truth to that for sure. Uh, if you don't have racers at those races, then you don't have races. So the racers are the most important part. And so we're really, we, we've had a year. I'm, I'm going to say we've had a year because we took over during like the heat of the pandemic and it was a very strange time. <laughs> so <laughs> to get our feet under us, we've got a year of real operation under our belt now. And so now we're looking hard at how do we execute that over the next couple, two to three years. Um, how do we do those three things and strengthen the community as a whole? How do we make it as easy as possible for anybody who wants to do a race to get out there and to do a race? Uh, how do we find those people that are adventure racers and just don't know it yet? And how do we just support our, how do we support our race directors? Because um, any of you listening that are, are new to the sport, um, if you're thinking you can direct races for fortune and glory, you're half right. Um, you know, you can direct races for, for glory and, and satisfaction and it's good for your soul. But the, the harsh reality is unless you're doing other events, fortune is not going to be part of the equation right now. So, and we're not going to change that overnight. You know, you look at, that's a whole nother conversation is how do you bring you know, quote unquote fortune back into the sport? Um, I don't think that's our number one priority right now. I think our number one priority is that support and that collaboration, that cooperation, um, between us and amongst uh, race directors so that the burden on race directors to put on quality events goes, gets lower and lower. What can USARA do to help out those race directors? What can we take off their plates? What can we simplify? Uh, what can we make easier? What resources can we provide so that when you're putting on a race um, and if you sum up all the hours of effort that you put in as a race director, you're making like seven fifteen an hour. Um, and how do you keep wanting to do it? Because the reality is 
a lot of race directors get in. They're really passionate. They do a fantastic job. Life starts to change. Again, family, kids, work, et cetera. Um, and at some point, you know, they may burn out. And if that's life, that's life. That's fine. But I would hate to see a race director leave the community and stop putting on races that would have stayed had they had more support. And that's really where I think USARA um, can establish itself as providing the most value to the community is, again, get, getting those racers aware getting them to the start line as easily as possible without getting lost uh, and supporting those race directors in, in whatever way we can. So um, I've said it before. I said it at nationals. I've said it in other podcasts um, as a racer, race director, or any other member of the community. If you have thoughts or ideas that you think contribute to those goals, by all means, please reach out. Um, we'd love to hear from you. And you're going to be seeing from us uh, in the coming weeks and months more concrete plans on how we're going to execute into some, on some of these things. And, um, you know, we do a lot of work behind the scenes. We're not going to talk about, you know, we want to make sure that we're aware of everything that's going on with the sport um, and, and distill that and simplify it and bring it to the U S community so that they're aware of, of what's going on and, and how the sport's doing. Um, because again, I like the phrase that you use, we're citizen racers, you know, weekend warriors uh, is, is the heart of the sport right now, the core of the sport. Um, and so those are the kind of people we need to be working for. Thank you, Garrison, for your time. For those with follow-up questions or feedback, feel free to reach out to USARA directly, either at www.usara.com or via their Facebook page. If you have enjoyed this episode, please pay a visit to your podcast streaming platform of choice and leave us a review. That is the best way to spread the word about the Dark Zone. Also, feel free to reach out to me, Brian, at ardarkzone.com. Your feedback and guest suggestions are always welcome. Thank you, listeners, for joining us in the Dark Zone, and have fun out there.